welcome to Mosaic this evening. Let's stand together.
center of your love, knowing that you wrap us around before, behind in your love. We are held, we are grateful. Thank you for this love. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, Fellowship family. On behalf of our elders and staff, I want to express gratitude to all of you for your patience and encouragement during the pandemic. It was an unprecedented time for all of us. And though the disease is still with us, it seems we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. As the elders made difficult decisions on behalf of our church, seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they guided us well through the process and kept both you and our staff safe. And speaking of our staff, they have done a phenomenal job providing live stream content for adults, students, and children. And now they're working hard to open services again to try and get us back to a sense of normal. But a friend reminded me this week as I mentioned the word normal, that normal is a setting on your clothes dryer. And he's right. I'm not sure normal should be our goal. God wants more for us than that. However, we are back to in-person services and we want you to be back. Live streaming of services will continue to be a convenience for us when we are traveling or aren't feeling well, but it isn't the best option nor what God intended for the body of Christ on a regular basis. We need to be together, worshiping, praying, studying God's word weekly, both in community and in corporate worship celebrations. I was out of town recently over a weekend and it was great to be able to attend fellowship services virtually. But doing so will never replace the community, collaboration, and culture of worshiping together as a body. We also need volunteers to work in our children's ministries. Get in there and invest your lives in our kids. We shouldn't have to close classes because we don't have enough workers. Our church finances took a hit as well during COVID. And I hope each of us this week will examine our giving to God through fellowship to help us accomplish God's vision and mission for our church. We need to catch up to where we were this time last year or maybe even exceed it. Remember, we can't outgive God who has given so generously to us. One last thing. It seems our nation has never been more divided and certainly never more so in so many different directions. Fellowship Bible Church should be a lighthouse of hope and unity in our community and in our world. We are bound by a common purpose based on the truth of scripture and we will never waver from that foundation. When everything seems chaotic, let us be rock steady because we know our God is in control, come what may. He is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Let's love well and let people see Christ in us. God bless. Welcome. It's good to have you tonight, Mosaic. You know, as Mickey talked throughout that video, I think it showed that we're family. We've been through a, a pandemic. We've, we've gone through all these different things, but we're family. If you're here tonight as a guest, welcome to our family's gathering. It's going to be a special time. I talked to one of our elders this afternoon. He said, man, tonight is going to be a special night. I was in college the first time that I came to fellowship. and We worshiped at, at Oakdale Junior High School. 
And my wife and I have been a part of this body, this campus, in some form or fashion for over 25 years. On staff, off staff. The past five years, we've been back on staff here at Mosaic. And it's been a great place for us to heal, for us to grow, for us to work with all of you as our spiritual family. And tonight, as this commissioning service goes about, we're excited that we're never, ever leaving family because we're connected with you at the heart. We're connected with you in community as we do life with you always. Can we pray as we begin our worship service? Lord, thank you for the spiritual family that you have given us. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we pray that our lives in this community, as we live, work, and play, glorify you in all that we do. Thank you for this opportunity that we have tonight to come and be still, to seek your face, to sing with all of our hearts, to look others in the eye, to listen to the scriptures taught. Thank you for blessing us. Lord Jesus, it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.
Church, would you read this aloud together tonight? Just 
as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for
humbly before you and all we can muster as your people is to say thank you thank you for this grace amen you can be seated amen thanks Ryan hey good evening my friends Good evening, my friends. Thank you. My name's Matt. If you forgot, it's good to have you here, and it is a joy to be with you on a night that is full of just a lot of emotions. If you follow us, uh, Mosaic, on social media, you know that this is our sending service, that uh, after uh, many, many years of praying and dreaming as a church, that God, I mean, isn't it just a God-timing thing that during a pandemic he would also open the door that Mosaic could be a church planting church and we would be a part of two replants, invitations from Samaritan to be a part of that. So tonight, friends, as I get a privilege of being a part of that Springdale replanting opportunity, tonight is my last official Mosaic sermon with you. It's the last time that I get to be here. Hopefully I get invited back from time to time and I thought I better bring my smiley face mug because I'm happy and I'm grateful. And I better bring a big old wad of tissue paper because there's a good chance I can already feel it. Uh, this has been a sweet season. And I've thought a lot about what do you say? Whew, it's already coming. Whew. What do you say with your last 30 minutes? I mean, there's really a lot of possibilities, aren't there? And I thought, hey, let's just be vulnerable. I thought I'd go through all of them. Maybe we should just stick with the text that we've been in. Maybe right now you should take out your Bibles and open them up to Hebrews 9. That's your cue. We should look at this book, at this letter that meets this 
this generation, this people that might have grown up with the faith, yet are now, because of their own crisis, falling away. And then they just meet us where we've been the last 18 months. I tell you what, the pandemic has stolen so much from, from the normalcies of life, but also from death to sickness. One of the real soul snatchers for me is how many people have been, their faith has been treading water. And rather than go to the life raft of the word of God returning to Jesus, they're now drowning. Friends, Hebrews is the letter. It is the book that meets us there. And so tonight's passage is an important one, another just little onion layer of how it meets us in that space. Let me just read it quick. Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood, not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. If you're taking notes, the title of this message, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? How are you waiting? So we could talk about that. Option two, I could just go rogue. And I don't think anybody could stop me. And I could just pick one of my favorite texts, texts that you've heard for a decade now. John 17, Psalm 77, Psalm 16, Psalms 139, Lamentations 3, uh, Matthew 6, Jeremiah 2, and just dive in and just, we would just have the time of our life. We could do that. We could do that. We could talk about what a significant day in our nation's history Today is Juneteenth, a day to commemorate and celebrate while still grieving and growing and acknowledging the injustices black Americans continue to endure. Yet we together as the church, we pray with hope that we are moving one baby step closer to a future kingdom reality. If you don't know what I'm talking about, January 1st of 1983, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation that read this. All persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. But it seemed that nobody told 250,000 enslaved people in Texas. And so June 19th, this day over 150 years ago, in 1865, Union troops came to Galveston Bay, Texas with the announcement of their freedom. And with all the things that have been said and spoken and read, this is one of my favorites uh, by Veronica Chambers in the New York Times. I love this. The elemental sermon embedded into the history and the lore of Juneteenth has always been one of hope. The gifts of the holiday are the moments of connection renewal and joy for a people who have had to endure so much for so long. To me, Juneteenth matters because it says, keep 
going. The future you want is coming. What a message to personalize. We could spend the entire night and night upon night talking about such a freedom. We could also do a look back and look forward. I don't know if you knew this, but over a decade ago, I remember the coffee shops sitting with Mark Schatzman and Chip Jackson in an age where out of almost this Northwest Arkansas was changing. It's the homes and churches. They were moving to the convenience of Highway 49 and Mosaic said, let's do the opposite. Let's pick the vulnerable communities, the overlooked and undervalued places of Northwest Arkansas, and let's go to them. And something like a, like a gummy in my tooth that I couldn't pick out, it's stuck in my soul. And it's been stuck for a decade. My prayer that the full realization by us all, that this invitation to join Samaritan churches, some replanting strategy in Rogers and in Springdale, it's a God-sized answer to a God-sized decade-long prayer for all of us. And I am so grateful. Or maybe we just scrap them all and do a Father's Day dance-off. What do you think? I see a couple thumbs up. We could just like nominate and elect and just do it right on stage and at least it would be memorable, right? And yet I've kind of gone around and around this circle of what to say. I've returned to the Hebrews 9 text and specifically I've returned to this last verse, these last few verses. And if I'm honest, I've even returned to these last two words that are highlighted, these eagerly waiting. These last two verses, they frame for us a very critical moment in history. They're two points with grand eternal significance. Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Now, if you are a Hebrew and you are reading this, you knew that this pointed to that. These two verses pointing to something else. And there's a lingering language here about the high priest on the day of atonement. See, the high priest had this yearly thing that his first appearance to the people was outside of the courtyard to offer the sacrifice on the altar of burnt offering. From there, he would enter the sanctuary carrying the blood for atonement and so doing so, he would pass out of the sight of the people. When he would leave them, there was a ceremonially, anxiously, eagerly waiting that year after the year, the people attending would go through. And then there was a second appearance. Upon completion of his duties in the inner sanctuary, he would emerge and the people would jubilee, joy, shout and praise. Sin has been forgiven. And salvation is here. This was about that. So when Jesus, the better high priest in his first coming, he appears the first time in his incarnation. The word becomes flesh. He moves into our neighborhood to make atonement for our sins on the cross. That's chapter 9, verse 26. And then the second coming. His ascension takes him out of sight into the presence of God where he continually appears as our advocate. That's chapter 7, 25. And one day will return to the earth 
to appear again a second time. Chapter 9, verse 28. Not to deal with sin. Why? Because that's been dealt with. That is done. But now to bring ultimate closure, ultimate victory over Satan's hold over the world's evil, death, and destruction through salvation as our grand champion. And we get the privilege of eagerly waiting for that to happen. It's not often that we hear a sermon about two words. But the thing is, we are still in this time frame. The writer of the Hebrews described living between these two significant points of time. And guess what? We live there too. So these words should carry so much weight for you and I. They should describe our present reality. And it has to beg the question for you personally, do they? Would you describe your spiritual journey as eagerly waiting? So I just want to spend a moment on each and then kind of marry them together. So first, to wait. We are all waiting for something. Whether small or big, what are you waiting for right now in your mind? It keeps kind of popping up. What are you waiting for right now? Is it jobs? Is it stuff? Is it relationships? Is it return to normalcy? Therapists are making a killing right now on what people are waiting for. And by the way, Psalm 69, it describes this spiritual practice of waiting. It uses the metaphor of drowning, getting caught in a riptide, and again and again and again, your soul being just drug along. Waiting is not easy. I keep looking for weight in the next top 10 spiritual discipline book. Chapter after chapter, but most of the time it's not there. And yet few words are used more throughout scripture to describe the daily practical living of the spiritual life than waiting. Let me share a couple of my favorites. The first, you might remember that sermon from Psalms 27. Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. And in Swahili it says, pole pole. Remember that? Say it with me. Pole pole. We wait for the Lord slowly, slowly. Wait for the Lord. Lamentations 3. After Jeremiah the prophet, everything's been taken. Everybody is dead or gone. He writes his poem of lament in Lamentations in chapter 3. Maybe one of the most brutal and graphic chapters there is. He finishes it. My happiness is gone and my hope is dead. But then it says, but the Lord is good to those who wait, to those who actively seek. It reminds us waiting is not passive. These are not enemies waiting and seeking. They're not opposites. They're actually in tandem, intertwined to a worship posture of faith, waiting. Seeking. Romans 8, I love how Paul describes it to the Romans, that although creation around us is groaning inwardly, we are the people that out of hope, we wait eagerly. So perhaps the realest answer that you could give when somebody asks questions like, hey, what is God doing or what is God teaching in your life? You could say, boy, he's teaching me how to wait. He's teaching me how to wait. 
there's a descriptive word as well. It's not just wait. It's eagerly wait. And I tried to think to myself, what, what do I do eagerly? It was actually hard to think of things that I could describe. I am eagerly doing this. And so I did the opposite. And I just Googled what are the words opposite of eagerly. And I learned a lot from some of the answers. It reminded me of my last year in review. Pessimistically. Doubtfully. Gloomily. Hopelessly. Those felt like my norms for a long time. Those were the descriptive words of my soul. Not eagerly wait. Interesting enough, you know, consumerism today, it's designed to eliminate waiting. To do away with anything that is not quick or efficient or pleasurable or excellent. Even in our spiritual realm, the idea as common as waiting on the Lord almost like robs the significance because it takes too much time. Who wants to wait, let alone do it eagerly? So as we sit here and we begin to just digest the realities between Jesus' first coming, which dealt with sin, Jesus' second coming promise that will bring salvation to those who are waiting, there's a big just practical question we need to ask tonight. How do we eagerly wait? And you've known me for a long time. I'm far more the practitioner than I am the philosopher. When the Bible gives us a descriptive word of how our life should look, a command of what we should do, I want to know how and I want it to become a reality. Because friends, not only are we not wired for this, but the enemy's great purpose is to take our eyes off of eagerly waiting and to focus on the uncertainty of the now. So as we move into the how, I need, uh, I need help. I need two volunteers, uh, and I need certain kinds of volunteers. One that would maybe be described as tall, although 6'8", tall is relative. So, so I need a tall person, and I need a short person. And just like that, if you can point them out, good. Was that a Rob McLean point? Thank you, Deb. Come on up. I'm fine with you nominating somebody else, so I need a short person as well. Just point at them, and I'll bring them up here. I see somebody getting pointed at back here. Come on up here, short person. Who is it? No? Somebody that would call themselves short. Anybody will do. Thank you, Mrs. Pasco. I appreciate you. Come on up here. Yep, that, uh, yep. Your husband pointed at you, and you can deal with it later. That's, that's perfect. Hi, hi. Nice to meet you. What's your name? I'm Rob. Rob McLean. Good to see you, brother. Good. You stand right there. Lori. Lori, thanks for volunteering. Come on here, Lori. Sit right here. Lori loves, loves, loves public attention. Go ahead and sit in the stool, Lori. Yeah. Yes. Rob, come on over here, coach. So Rob, right, right here. Rob is going to demonstrate, uh, the, uh, you're a teeter-totter. Whoop, good. And you're going to put one hand on Lori's head. Look forward. Nice. Nice to meet you. Good. Nice to meet you. We're all personal here. It's okay. There's a book out right now by a guy named Kurt Thompson. It's called The Soul of Shame. And in this book... It talks about the middle voice of shame and fear and disconnect that we all go through every single day of our lives. The words that would describe how we go about living. And so let me give an example. So Rob, every time that I touch your hand, I just want you to put a little bit more pressure. Just a little. 
So we wake up in the morning and we're like, wow, that was a bad night of sleep. And we think it's gonna be a rough day. Then we pass the mirror and go, oh, where did those 10 pounds come from? And then we go, oh man, I have that meeting. I really do not like my job. Why am I here? And then I think, why does my spouse not like me? I keep trying but keep failing. And then I say things like, man, am I a bad parent? They won't listen. Right after I pass the lawn that hasn't been mowed, right after I see the drywall hole that if I try to fix it, it will only get worse. Lori, how are you right now? Okay, okay. So could you just keep, it, keep your hand there. Keep the pressure on. So Lori, Lori, just eyes up, eyes up. Yeah, I'm the Lord. Keep them up. Good. Lori, could you say that what you're going through now is a descriptor, metaphorically, of how so many live their life? They live stuck with the weight and the pressure, dealing with the complexities of this middle voice of shame. That is how we describe our normal. Yet, thank you. My friend Rob is gonna represent eagerly waiting and how we go about it. Hold, thank you. Actually, that's nice, nice. So I'm gonna go to Psalms 37. Why? Because the songbook of the soul of Psalms, it takes hard things and it makes them simple. It makes them practical. And this warrior poet David wrestled with how do I eagerly wait for God? And in Psalms 37, I think it gives us a hint. And so all that we're gonna do is put that text on the screen and talk through it a little bit. Trust in the Lord. I wanna see what happens, Rob, when this goes on. Trust in the Lord and do good. What happens when Our minds go from being conformed to the world to be transformed of what we think about so much so it affects our souls and it affects our actions. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. It's not about fame. It's about faithfulness. This is a marathoner's mentality, this seeking and waiting on the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Intimacy with God is the purpose of life. (laughs) Joy in him is our song. And the focus on the prayer is that he will give you the desires. Not your desires, it's his desires in your heart. You're doing great. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. This is a more than an attempt. It's an eager commitment with a promise of God of what he will do in response. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, your judgment says a new day. Rest in the Lord. Friends, how many of you would describe your daily as restful? Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. This is the last one. (laughs) Don't worry, friends. Don't get angry. It doesn't work. It only causes disconnect from God and others. I just want to see it happen. Okay, pause. Is the pressure on Lori less or more? Good. Give them a hand. That was awesome. That was good. That was good.
Now, just a little, little note of consideration. Did I tell Rob to put less pressure on Lori's head? The answer is no. The answer is no. No, we didn't. So although the pressures of the world weighted her down, the shame, the fear, the guilt, every single little shame's lie that whispers into us, it was the little activities, the disciplines, the commitments of transformed thinking, not conformed thinking, but transformed thinking, to trust, to do, to dwell, to cultivate, to delight, to commit, to rest, to cease. And the final phrase in verse nine, but those who eagerly wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Friends, it's easy to die by a death of a thousand mosquito bites, isn't it? And yet baby steps in the pathways towards the ways of the Lord, a mind set on the Lord, a heart full of the Lord. That's the answer, that's the way, that's the how of eagerly waiting. I had the privilege, uh, the painful privilege of, of getting to experience this recently, of being a part of a funeral of a, a sweet couple who lost their newborn. They were heartbroken as they should be and throughout meeting with them and talking with them, I was just astounded how much more they were ministering to me than I was ministering to them. And they made this phrase, this, the, the sweet mama, she said, my pain is so great, my hurt is so heavy, but God has used this to increase my ache for heaven. Pain, grief, trauma, yet redirected through the baby step paths of trusting and doing and dwelling and cultivating and delighting and committing and resting ceasing so that it would be eagerly waiting. Her ache for heaven grew. And so I would like to close where we began with the same question that this message is titled. What are you waiting for? As you think, as you do a soul, a heart check of your life. As we even do the tour day, what could we possibly talk about tonight? From Hebrews 9 to favorite messages to to the significance of the cultural moment, to, to what's going on with church planting and what, what God is using this church for. All the different opportunities. The posture is the same. The lessons are for all of us. How do we become a people that we would describe our lives between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, between him dealing with sin and him bringing about salvation? How do we eagerly wait? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, waiting is not easy and eager sure seems hard. And yet, God, the freedom and the peace and the joy that is produced by a lifestyle and a posture of being fully devoted, fully delighting, fully in love with you, O oh Lord, our strength. Well, out of that, you will use this church to change the heart and soul of this city. One person one plant, one movement at a time. And we love you, O Lord, our strength. In your name we pray, amen. Wow. Give it up for me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm on. Great job, Matt.
What are you waiting for? Well, for some of us here at Fellowship, we, uh, we've been waiting for opportunities to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And you, Mosaic, have done a great job of that over the last couple of decades. And we've stood on this platform and been part of commissioning and sending services at least half a dozen times over the last two decades. And tonight, we're here again. And so, um, as we get ready to send... Matt and Scott and the Samaritan team and Joy off to do what they've been invited to do in North Rogers and East Springdale. I'd like to ask the Samaritan team, staff team, would you and your spouses come on up to the platform? And Matt, as they come, would you introduce everybody and their spouse? You still got your headset on? or? Yeah. Yeah. Check, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, we have leading the North Rogers team, Scott Page and his lovely wife, Molly, with the one and only Joy Stoner as our director of operations and her sweet husband, Mark Stoner. And then we have my dear friend, godly gifted servant of the Lord, Jared Sears, with his wife, Katie, uh, who's not here tonight. And then we have my sweetheart, Miss Martha. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, uh, Mick, won't you bring us into the timeline of how we got here tonight out of some conversations that were going, I guess, back in November, huh? But it really goes back to 1989. Well, that's true. It goes back to 1989 when a small group of people who were a part of fellowship had a dream that we would make a difference to those vulnerable in our area. And over the years, we have, as a, as a church body, uh, have sent people have donated tens of, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I know that for a fact now that I think of it, to make sure that happened. Every communion service since 1989, uh, we would give an offering for Samaritan House, as it was called back then. But you had a small group of people, and, and Rocky and Gary, and see you guys, I'm so glad that over all these years, we've never abandoned that mission. In that vision, that small group of people had, Clyde and Crystal Parker, some, I could just go name that person after person, that they said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And as it began to grow, we realized that the folks who were attending or coming to Samaritan House for help we were having trouble getting them to transition to our facility out here. That we needed to establish a church there. And Wes Wallace stepped up and said, I'll do it. And he became the pastor of Samaritan House Church. Well, then the entities multiplied and it became Samaritan Community Center that met the needs of the poor in our area and it became Samaritan House Church. And then when Wes Wallace decided it was time for him to retire, Jeff Onstad, in an incredible, incredible way, a guy who was fighting cancer said, I'll do it. And he pastored two churches. Well, Matt and I have been meeting together over the last year. And uh, Scott, I don't know how many years ago you and I spent time meeting together every week. But Matt and I have been meeting together and... I detected and felt a holy restlessness in Matt. Something that he shared with Mark and I. 
even as we were making the transition for Matt to step into the role of congregational leader, it, it was as if God was calling him to something else. And I just said to him one day in our meeting, there in my office, I said, Matt, what if you took a group of people? And we were just dreaming. What if you just took a group of people from Mosaic and started a church there in Springdale? And his eyes lit up because I could tell that was his passion at that moment. And I said, let's pray about it. Well, the next week, I got a note from Jeff Onstad, who was pastor of both of these churches, and said he was retiring. And he wasn't sure who would step in next. So when Matt came back to my office, he said, you know, I think it would be good if we partnered with Samaritan House Church, with uh, Samaritan Fellowship is what it's called now. And I said, well, that's really interesting because I just got a note from Jeff Onstad that he's retiring and they're going to need someone. You see, timing is more important than time, isn't it? God's timing was perfect. Matt talked to Scott. I went to talk to Scott. Are your families in? We already knew Martha was in. And it all came together. That's how it happened. And we believe God's hand is all over it. These two have stepped up to the plate. Their wives have stepped up to the plate. This team has stepped up to the plate and said, I'll do it. And I know many of you are saying, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to help them. And so I hope tonight is not just about commissioning them, but it's also about for all of us what God has for your life, maybe to step out of the comfort zone to say, I'll do it. I believe God wants me to step forward. And so that's how it all came about, Chip, and I couldn't be more excited about this night because we have such a capable group going. Eagerly waiting. Yes, indeed. And uh, some of you may remember, we've been here before, and again, good job, Mosaic. I mean, you get produced and released so well, and this is, uh, this is just part of our narrative here. And, uh, but uh, Sean Schwartzman and Jim Hall, we did a similar night like this, and dozens of folks got up out of their green chairs and came up on this platform and got around Sean and Jim and others who were headed down there, and we prayed and sent them out. And I understand there's about 50 of you ready to go right now. So if you're part of this effort and being a part of the New Samaritan Church Expressions through Mosaic, come on up to the platform if you made a decision to go. Come on up here. And as you come, I'd also like to invite uh, our elders and shepherding elders to the platform. And uh, even uh, we've asked Mark Schatzman to come back in. He was one of the last guys on this platform to be sent out with the things that are going on in Bentonville. And back to Matt's illustration, um, if we did have a, a, a Father's Day dance-off, Shotsman would win it. Do it. He Do would. It. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your average guy trying to find a beat, but he could still win it. And so uh, it's there. Hey, I'd like to recognize our elders and shepherding elders is, so you could just kind of know who they are and Gentlemen, when I call your name, if you just raise your hands, uh, both, and just so we can see you and what's going on, a little love going on back there with Boogie and uh, Gary, is that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I like that. John Dyer from Fayetteville. Yep, there's John. Dick Nervig. 
Joe Till Robinson. There he is. That's Matt's uh, father-in-law, by the way. Uh, Travis Jenkins. We all know and love Trav. Back up, showing big in purple tonight. Uh, Mark Jostat. Where are you? There he is, Mark. Uh, Jim Ants, right there. Gary Harrell. Welcome back home, bro. We're glad to have you up here, dude. Yes, indeed. Kent Martin. Kent, where are you, bro? Up from Fayetteville? There you are. He's hey, man, you should have been the short guy rather than Lori. <laughs> and then uh, Rick, Rick Brazil is with us. And uh, Ed Paris. Oh, there you are, brother. And then Steve Weber. And uh, we've asked uh, both Ed and Steve to voice our prayer on behalf of this commission tonight. So, gentlemen, I'll turn it over to you. I think I'm set up. Thank you, Chip. You know, when, when we were praying before the service, uh, Travis Jenkins, who we just introduced, prayed that the church grows by sending out. And that is so true. And for this commissioning, which is just a, a formal giving of authority to a person or group for a particular function, I'd like to echo what Mick was alluding to with the commissioning, because this team here is not needing a passport or a visa. There's no Mayflower truck pulling up to their homes. They're staying local. So really, I would ask that you would just, just maybe go to God in the quietness of your heart and say, what might you be leading me, God, to um, in this participation with Samaritan Church? And this team is equipped because God's called them. And in their equipping, it reminds me of Psalm 9017, where it says that the Lord, may the Lord rest upon those with his favor and establish the work of his hands. Yes, establish the work of his hands. So with that, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we praise you. We praise you for your provision and your vision that you've given this team for Samaritan Church. We pray for Scott and Molly, for Matt and Martha, for Joy and Mark, for Jared and for Katie and, this whole, and their families and this whole team, God, for your blessing upon them. We pray that the name of your son, Jesus, might be glorified in all that they do. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would go out before them and reveal the people of peace in these communities that would lead in mission and community and worship. And for those that are, are unsure of church, would be attracted to Samaritan church. Those that may never darken the door of a church may come into a a, a micro church or into a mission uh, to worship you and serve you. We pray this boldly, God, that you would do that, that you would grow this community of believers in this regard. And we praise the name of your son. I was reminded in Matthew 9, where Jesus was moving from town to town. And he said the crowd gathered around. And Jesus was preaching and teaching, and he was healing the sick and the diseased. And he coined this phrase, the harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few, the workers are few. And as I think about this, and I see that word up there, Samaritan Church, is following after Christ. And going out into the undeserved community, underserved community, 
and finding those who need help and need praying for and need preaching to and need teaching the word of God. And wow, and I would just say, wow. Look at this movement. Northwest Arkansas being blessed by the word of God. So if you go with me in prayer, please. Father, we pray over this team of leaders who've been sent out, been set apart to do the mighty work of your hands, preaching, teaching, and healing, just as Christ did. So, Father, we pray over Matt, wife, Martha. We pray over Scott and Molly, Joy, as they lead the Samaritan church. Father, we pray for blessings to keep them in your protection and keep the enemy away from them. Father God, we pray that you would guard their spirits, their hearts, their soul, and their mind, providing great wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your will for the ministry and for leading the people. And Father God, we pray for your provisions over them. You would take care of all of their needs 10 times over. And you were trust, they were trusting you and come to lean on you and believe that you will direct their pathway. And then, Father, I've, and Father, we pray that for Matt and for Scott, they will receive the charge that Paul handed over to his understudy in Timothy. When all things seem to be to fail, just preach the word. Preach the word, and hearts will be open. Matt and Scott, preach the word, souls will be saved. Matt and Scott, preach the word, marriages will be restored. So when you preach the word, families will be reunited. And when you preach the word, God will take his rightful place on the thrones of men and women's hearts. So, Father, as we place these leaders in the palm of your hand, that they will serve well. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our vision is to change the heart and soul of northwest Arkansas and the world. Our mission is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. So let's sponge this up. This is what it looks like. This is one word sent manifest right here. Hey, let's just thank God for it and thank you guys for leading out and showing us how to do it well. Blessings on you, Samaritan Church. Thank you, guys. As you return to your seats, uh, we'll wrap things up here. What are you eagerly waiting for? Ice cream. Yes, indeed. We have free ice cream tonight as we get ready to close the service. And uh, it's there for you in celebration and honor of the Samaritan Church team. 
And uh, as Matt mentioned in the teaching, today is Juneteenth, and that's a celebration within itself. And it's also Father's Day weekend. And speaking of Shotsman, uh, Mark and I are in a group that meets downtown Rogers most every Thursday morning somewhere for breakfast early. And uh, one of the guys in the group, Craig Young, sent out our group of dads this morning an email, and I, it's a prayer, and I thought I would just pray it for you as you think about your dad. For you, you may be a dad. And the prayer goes like this. Lord, thank you for all fathers, for the new ones who endure sleepless nights with infants in arms, for busy ones who juggle the pressures of home and family life, for the steadfast ones who nurture and care for our special, vulnerable children. For the patient ones who always seek to forgive and engage with their preteens. For the persistent ones who cleverly find, find new ways to connect with their many adults. For the father uncles who step in to cradle and care for nieces and nephews. And for all granddads who love and support their precious grandchildren. For the foster dads that are called to gather and cover the fragile ones. For the Sunday dads who care for all our children and lead them in faith. And for the dads who give far beyond their own resources, who overcome disability to cherish and to love. Thank you, Lord, for all our beautiful fathers. Help us to support them and keep them in our prayers. And Father, may you bless them now on this special weekend. In your name, we pray. Way to go, Mosaic. What a great night. Way to go, Samaritan Church. Way to lead out and show us how to do this. And we'll continue to remember you and pray for you and uh, partner with you in this process. And uh, as we wrap things up, I think Jude's words at the end of the, Jude, the book of Jude wrap it well. So would you stand and just receive this doxology? <clears throat> now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his gl glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. And all the folks said, Amen. Hey, ice cream on mosaic. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day.